Hello and welcome back to another Perpetual Outsider podcast with me, John Bensalia. Uh, today we're going back to Doctor Who and we're looking at a story which for no other reason, than apart from the fact that you could walk outside and fry your breakfast on the street, is Dragonfire, in which a certain character comes to a memorably gruesome end. So without further ado, let's gear up the shiny disc and in countdown in five, four, three. Two, one. Oh, it's these Doctor Who DVDs which never load up when you want them to. I should have said ten. Yeah, here we go. Oh no, it's it's that music. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm still yet to be convinced by the uh, this theme arrangement and these very eighties titles. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I suppose it looks quite impressive for the time, but it's, I don't know, it's so 80s, especially with this great big disembodied Sylvester McCoy head looming up out of nowhere, <laughs> and winking cheesily at the camera. Um, that, that's not a good look. And of course, this rather kind of building blocks logo, which looks like the sort of thing that you get for a kind of a cheapo toy store advert. <laughs> Anyway, Dragonfire itself, this is the final story of season 24, which is Sylvester McCoy's first season. And um, lots of extras are marching in tons of dry ice. Or either that or Kane's um, lift the oven on too long. Tony is sober there with a very natty moustache. Fear and terror. Oh, there's um, London's Burning Blow. Is it Sean Blowers, I think? He's playing a character called Zed. Um, I, d- I just think it would have been funnier if he'd actually played it in the way, in uh, the style of Zed from the uh, Police Academy movies. Oh, 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 Frostburg! Oh, oh. Anyway. He doesn't, so uh, that's enough of that. Yeah, I, I don't think poor old Zed's going to be long for this world, though. Uh, because he's about to run away into a into a forbidden zone, I think. Oh, there's um, the bloke from Grain Chill. I think his name's Stuart Organ. And he, play, and he played Mr. Robson. He, him and um, this um, rather butch-looking guard... Um, Called McLuhan, they kind of they don't really get much to do until the um, the third episode. Oh, Zed's just lost his gun, but this guy is very uh, kindly retrieving it for him. Love the music here, good score actually. Oh, he's a bad one. Oh, there you go. That will wake him up a bit. Edward Peeler's Kane, what a superb performance. Probably one of easily the best, uh, the best performed villain of the uh, of the season. One of the best of um, probably all time, actually. I, I just I just think it's a super performance. We'll talk more about it when uh, when he comes on the screen again. Here we go, Tardy scene with Seventh Doctor Mel. Yeah, it was it was criticised a lot at the time, season twenty four. But I think time has been kind to it, and I think. Uh, and, and, and I think um, 
if nothing else, it's it's just a very enjoyable season. I think you know it's it's just starting fresh from the from the baggage of the mid eighties with you know like the trial of the time and stuff, and um, it's it's just great fun. And what else is Doctor Who if you know if fun? Nothing else but fun. Doctor's going over to the freezer there. Oh, oh, Boris Johnson's in there, I think. I mean, it's it's just a wacky idea, you know, that the Doctor and Mel just go to a, you know, a, a freezer centre. I mean, <laughs> but maybe they just need to, you know, get their... Uh, I mean, the Doctor says that he's... that something interesting is going on. But for all we know, he's probably just gone to do his, uh, his shopping for the TARDIS. There's Tony Selby as Glitz. Um, last scene in the Trial of the Time Lord. Oh, he doesn't know that he's uh, regenerated. And of course, Sophie Aldred in the background is the new companion Ace. Here she comes with uh, two strawberry, with a, yeah, strawberry milkshake. That one doesn't look very strawberry, does it? Is it strawberry milkshakes? I don't know. That one looks yellow. Maybe it's gone off. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, going back to what I was saying um, before about you know, this this season kind of being a lot of fun. I mean, we're, we're just straight into the story here. I mean, there's no kind of, um, you know, there's no connections to the past apart from Glitz. Um, you know, it's it's not a story that's chock full of continuity. You know, you, you don't need to be like a Doctor Who expert and taking notes while you're watching this to actually enjoy it. You know, it's, it's just a story that can be enjoyed in its own right. Um, complete with uh, Patricia Quinn here as... Bellage, who is um, these wonderfully fruity tones of hers. <laughs> just, maybe a little bit too overqualified for the part because it's 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 not the you know the you know the biggest part of the world to do, but she she does she does make the most of it and, uh, and she does it well. But of course, with the Seventh Doctor, he's got a—he's he, got a hidden agenda. I think you know he's, he says something interesting going is going on. So I actually think, um, as we'll see in a minute, he's—he's um, he's got another reason for coming to Icewell apart from to do his uh, his daily groceries. Yeah, I, I, I like the design of it. I, I like the um, you know the kind of homage to um, the Star Wars. Uh, the Star Wars movie, you know, they, they had sort of a, a similar thing in this uh, this kind of intergalactic bar or cafe with various uh, various aliens going about their business and you know, sort of having a drink and having a chin wag, and you get you get the same thing here. I mean, admittedly, it's not the cheap. You know, you've got lots of dodgy wigs and recycled costumes, but you know, it's it's a neat little homage. Yeah, the only, I think, a criticism that I could make is that, you know, they could turn the lighting down and give it a little bit, a little, a little bit more menace. I think it works better when it, you know, kind of works in the shadows. I mean, you need one for this guy, you know, um, Kane. What I like about Edward Peel, um, who's probably better known as Perrin in Juliet Bravo. Um, he, he's, he's done lots of other stuff as well. He's probably better known as the guy who, um, he was in an advert about in the 90s or the early noughties, and he used to just furiously chuck loads of pound notes around. I think it was for an insurance advert or something. He just used to do that and just angrily chuck money around. And you think, whoa, God, what a waste of money. 
but he's he's brilliant in this. And what I like about it is that he underplays it. He underplays the menace really well. Um, and I, I think a good baddie, you know, you, you need that kind of underplaying, and it work it works really well. Loch. See, of course, yeah. Now the Doctor's uh, revealing what he's really up to, which is go uh, he's going on a treasure hunt. It's probably more kid kid friendly, I think, um, this season. Uh, well, apart from a lot, one of the uh, one of the last scenes of this story, but it's you know, I mean, it's more, it's just really bright and breezy. You know, it's got you know things like um, you know giant robotic cleaners and um, you know holiday cat aliens and holiday cats and uh, treasure hunts for ice, you know, for uh, for dragons, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, it's it's pure kind of, you know, sort of the, the stuff of pulpy kid sci-fi. But I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, quite a few other names touted for Kane that I was reading. Of course, Ronald Lacey, um, who was uh, Toad's in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I presume that Chris Clough offered the job to... Lacey purely because well well no purely because but maybe one reason because um you know he had a, he met a similar grisly demise in Raiders when he looked into the Ark but uh, he declined it um other others David Jason apparently was offered the role of Kane now that I would have really liked to have seen actually That that would have been really interesting. May we, may we, Bellage, Mange too. I've lost the dragon fire, and another one was John Alderson, I think, who was in um, Police. I think he was in Police. anyway, um, like I said, my memory's a bit fog. Memory's a bit on the turn today. The brain's on the turn. Yeah, I've, I've got a feeling. Um, yeah, he, he was in that, but yeah, he he was offered the role as well. But um, yeah, the role ultimately went to Edward Peel, and um, and I, I I can't imagine anybody else playing it to be honest. Oh, like there's Dargolin from uh, the Leisure Island. Yeah, they they've been at the recycling for uh, for aliens, I think. Yeah, I, I remember watching this as uh, as a thirteen year old. Um, I'm, yeah, I remember it because it was, <laughs> I was so sad. I vividly remember it actually, because it was the same day that, um, now that's when Michael Music 10 was released. And I was, as well as being a Doctor Who fan back then, I was a huge music fan. I mean, I still am both. And, um, I, I eagerly used to look forward to the new Now That's When Michael Music album coming out. And... Yeah, I, I bought now ten on the on the day of release, which was which was this day, twenty third November, nineteen eighty seven, twenty um, fourth anniversary of Do uh, Doctor Who as well. Um, but I yes, I remember. Yeah, I remember playing it all the way through, but stopping. I think it was between sides three and four um, to actually watch Doctor Who because I'd, I'd seen the trailer for it. I was quite intrigued by it. Um, if I'm being honest, I hadn't been that impressed. I think. That, you know, it was probably my, you know, 13-year-old pretentious, sulky self thinking, oh, no, oh, this is too kiddie-like for me. Oh, I'm too grown up for this. 
It's got Sylvester McCoy playing spoons and uh, stupid monsters and Richard Bryce hamming it up, blah, blah, blah. This is no good anymore. Um, but I had seen the trailer for it, and I, th I think I was, you know, I, I was quite intrigued by it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I do remember um, being quite hooked by this story. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it's got some... Um, quite dark moments in um, what's otherwise quite a, you know, sort of a kind of a lightweight romp. You know, it's kind of paving the way for things to come here. But, oh, if I could go back to my 13-year-old self and say, stop being so, you know, so grumpy, you know. Just enjoy it, for God's sake. I, I, I think, you know, I, I could probably do that and just, you know, go back in time and say that to my 20-something-year-old self as well you know teenage self i don't know. i like that little sound in the background that i think lynn gardner is doing the voice because i think she was originally meant to play ray in delta and the bannerman but i think she had an accident or something and she couldn't play it so uh, chris clough kindly uh um penciled her in for a, a quick voiceover job this story. There's Sharon Taylor, who was last seen in the uh, Stones of Blood, having her uh, having her blood drained by an ogre, and here she's playing a rather angry customer who's just had milkshake tipped over her head, and looks like she's been in a fight with a with a horde full of bats. Yeah, this this guy's a bit wooden, I think. Um, the waiter, I mean, he, he just kind of sort of speaks all on one note. He doesn't even react to having a milkshake being tipped over his head. I don't know, maybe he's a robot barman or something, I don't know. Yeah, some nice creepy organ music there from Dominic Glynn. All very kind of gothic for Kane. Yeah, this this is the yeah the last story for Mel and the first story for for Ace. Um, yeah, don't get me wrong, I I, I really like Ace. I, I think she's um, I, I I really like the kind of the rapport between Ace and the Doctor, and it's obvious that the friendship between Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred comes through loud and clear. But I think maybe her character is a little bit overdone in this story. I think. Which is not Sophie Aldred's fault. I think it's more the script, which is more, you know, um, you know, sort of a, a middle-aged, forty-something man trying to get to grips with writing dialogue for teenagers. So you get stuff like bilge bag and naff and mega and div, which is not really how teenagers spoke back then. <laughs> maybe if you were reading a copy of Smash Hits, yeah, maybe, um, but. No, I don't remember, you know, kids of my age actually going around saying bilge bag. I think one or two did say div. Yeah, you div. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit, just a, a little bit overdone, this whole kind of rebellious teenager. But it is a good contrast between, you know, Ace, you know, the, the more kind of rebellious Ace and the... Uh, the more kind of um, straight and narrow male. Yeah, again, I think time's been kind to, to Bonnie Langford. I think um, I think she really proved her worth 
um, especially in EastEnders. And she was great as Carmel, I think. You know, you know, there's um, she she really got got the opportunity to prove her acting chops, especially when um, um one one of her sons was murdered, and uh, her reaction to that is you know it's harrowing. So she um yeah she she's a good little actress, and you know. I think maybe at the time, I think she was still kind of tagged with all that kind of baggage that she had from, you know, being um, Violet Elizabeth Bott in the in the seventies and being you know kind of this uh, a child star. But uh, yeah, I, I think you know I'd, I'd like to think you know her character is better received now, and I, I think it's a shame that you know she didn't stay on for longer. Oh, Belange up to no good there. Yeah, but the designs do look a little bit kind of, you know, kind of light entertainment. But yeah, here, here you go. They, they've actually turned the lighting down here. It, it looks a lot better. The, uh, um, you know, this kind of moody blue lighting, you know, that looks a lot better. It's it's a shame that they didn't really kind of use that as a kind of template for the for the rest of the show. Obviously, uh, Mr. Robson has not had his shredded wheat for breakfast there, trying to push down the door. What a bunch of Spocks! <laughs> wrong, wrong show, Ace! Wrong show! Ace now, Nitro 9. Ice! Oh dear. <laughs> that statue is rubbish. I mean, it, it looks nothing like Kane's um, Kane's missus, Zana. Uh, it, it just looks it looks a bit like Liberace, actually. I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's got a Liberace thing. I'm I'm not sure. That's probably why you know there's all that organ music playing in the background. Yeah, of course, um, by this point in time, Doctor Who was, uh, the original run of Doctor Who was on its, uh, uh, was what you'd probably call on its last legs. I mean, it, it only had three more seasons to go. And, I, you know, well, actually two more seasons after this after this story. But this was in the uh, the uh, the third from one, uh, third from last season. And uh, I, I think it, I think it's a shame. I think um, obviously the BBC just just didn't want it around. I mean, it didn't help that they were scheduling it against uh, Coronation Street. You know, of, of course Coronation Street was going to win. You know, your your mum or your granny or your aunt or whatever is going to want to watch that instead of Doctor Who. But I think you know if um, if the big you know the big cheeses at the BBC could have actually been bothered to actually market it in in the way that it really deserved, you know, actually. And maybe put it on the Saturday night again, um, but you know, not schedule it opposite the eighteen. Um, maybe it would it would have stood more of a chance, and maybe it it would have carried on into the nineties. I, I, I don't know, but I, I, I've got to say, I, I, I really like the Sylvester McCoy era. I, th I think he's an underrated Doctor. I, th I think he's a great Doctor, actually, Re really good, and I, I, I think he deserves more acclaim. Um, 
And also the quality of the stories, I think, really takes a, a sharp upswing in quality as well. I, th- I think, you know, there's some, there are so many great stories. You know, you've got Curse of Fenric, Greatest Show in the Galaxy, Remembrance of the Daleks, Ghostlight, Survival, you know, you know, even, even a, you know, even a story like Dragonfire is plenty of good, good moments. Delta and the Bannerman, actually, I've gone from not liking when I was a kid to actually really liking now. I, I, I really enjoy it. I, re- I really enjoy it these days. So I think, you know, by now, Doctor Who was really kind of beginning to find its feet again, I think, after the, you know, I, I think the trial of a time has has its good points, but it's it's not everyone's cup of tea, and it's in places not really my cup of tea. Yeah, Kane's a bit of a bit seedy, really. I mean, how old is Ace? Oh, she, yeah, she's, yeah, of course, she, uh, she pretends to be 18. But of course, she's really sixteen. But uh, yeah, he's a yeah bit of a creep, really, isn't he, Kane? Of course, lots of uh, lots of movie homages here. I mean, you've got you know you've got Kane, you know Citizen Kane. You've got uh, the Nosferatu, the ship. Um, I've got a feeling Bellage is named after a movie character. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and of course, you've got um, you know Kane's demise, which which is lifted straight out of Raiders of the Lost Ark. So obviously, uh, Ian Briggs was something of a movie buff. Oh, coin. There's actually money with, um, you can actually get money with uh, Kane's face on it. I mean, how arrogant is that? I think he, he, he probably had a, had a word with the banks or something. He, he probably froze them into debt or something. Yeah, or or maybe Kane's just got really bad bo. I don't I don't know. There you go. If you don't let us go, I will spray you with a with a can of twenty four hour anti perspirant. Gets rid of that bo just like that. All right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, we're coming on to the cliffhanger now, aren't we? Which makes absolutely no sense, and it's easily the stupidest thing about the story which which is otherwise you know um which i always like you know I, I don't think it's a bad story by any means i actually like it um but yeah the cliffhanger is just pants to this one isn't it i mean it just it just makes no sense at all <clears throat> yeah apparently there was the oh there's the dragon and there was about to um death of sophie aldred there god her face is just like oh my god you know i've got i've got death in my uh <laughs> i've got death in my left ear but yeah this cliffhanger what why i've, I've yes I've, apparently there was some sort of deleted shot but which which it really needed because this it, this just makes no sense uh <laughs> Why, why does the Doctor do that? Apart from no other reason but to provide a self-reflexive cliffhanger. Um, yeah, it's a shame because the rest of the episode is actually is actually good. Um, but that cliffhanger, cliffhanger really drags it down. It's probably one of the, the all-time cliffhanger clunkers. Uh, but there you go. 
otherwise that that was that was a good episode you know it's um, you know it, it tells a story and it does it well it's generally very well acted especially by uh edward peel and um patricia quinn you know is you know very good Belange. And also a nice return for Tony Selby. You know, he, he, he doesn't have a great deal to do, but it's uh, but it's nice to have him back. You know, he's uh, you know he's a good kind of semi, you know, not really a regular, but he's kind of one of those characters they bring back from time to time. Anyway, that was uh, that's me signing off now for part one of Dragonfire. Uh, hope to see, hope to hear from you soon. I keep making that mistake, see to hear from you soon. You know what I mean. But anyway, this is me, John Bensali, uh, saying goodbye and uh, hope to hear from you soon. But in the meantime, it's goodbye for now. Bye-bye.